Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Empowered Voices with me Priyam, your host. Empowered Voices believes that you, the individual, can bring positive change in the world. Our conviction is that every small action can have an equal or bigger positive reaction and move the needle in the fight against climate change. We aim to build a community of such individuals and gain inspiration from the people working in the field of climate action. There will be no guilt tripping or fear mongering here. Just a safe space for the imperfect environmentalists to learn about different issues and share tips about actionable ways to create a more harmonious world for us and our future generations. Join us in building a green world brick by brick. It's time for Empowered Tip of the Day. Um, today is actually Global Recycling Day, 18th March, um, the day I'm recording uh, this audio at least. And uh, so I wanted to take this moment to talk about recycling. First and foremost, I wanted to accept the fact and acknowledge the fact that yes, recycling is an imperfect solution. We know that there are lots of problems in the system and which causes a lot of frustration. But despite the fact that it is an imperfect solution, it still helps us to a great degree. Like some of the benefits of recycling are like, for example, it helps us save a lot of resources and energy because we are already, because using the system or products that are already existing there, um, we save up a lot of energy or resources that would be required to create new virgin plastic or transport it from one place to another, right? And then another way in recycling, which recycling helps a lot is that because we are not just disposing of this used plastic out in the nature, it prevents a lot of plastic being disposed of in our oceans. That helps marine life, which it helps us and you know it also prevents plastic being dumped into landfills which again causes a lot of problems so so these are really like you know two main benefits of recycling but in addition to that it's also good for economy because recycling units mean new jobs um so so it's it's really like a well sort of rounded off solution that we have available here for us um but yeah Having said that, I do acknowledge the fact that it can be quite frustrating when you send out some stuff to recycle, knowing that you're recycling, uh, you know, your municipality or whichever authority takes care of recycling in your city, in your country, might not actually have the resources to recycle all of it. So it might feel like a waste from your side that, oh, you spend so much time, uh, you know, um, taking care of managing your trash and dividing it into different bins and so on, but that actually won't get recycled. But I still am a strong believer of trying to do best from my side. Um, you know, so even if I send out 10 things to recycling unit and they only recycle, let's say 20% of it, right? But if I reduce that 10 to five from my side and they only reduce 20% of it, it is ultimately going to trickle down and 
keep on getting reduced and that's not actually going to be helpful. So if at each level we try to do our best, if I try to give my 100%, the recycling unit tries to give their 100%, we still have better chances of reducing our carbon emission than if we want to do anything. So that's just uh, my way of looking at this thing. And if it resonates to you, I do encourage you to do recycling uh, as much as possible. And now moving on to today's topic, I am really thrilled for today's topic. We're actually going under the sea. <laughs> um, I love oceans. Um, so if anyone who loves oceans, uh, the way to look at it, like if you like diving, you will definitely love um, this uh, episode because we talk about corals, we talk about marine life, we talk about how marine life, part of marine life is almost as old as dinosaurs. We talk about how corals can be restored, why they are beneficial for us. We talk about sustainable tourism. It's really a very, very insightful and an interesting episode. I definitely loved recording it. Um, it is uh, going to be an hour-long episode almost. So if you don't have that much time, you can listen to half of it right now. Come back to it later on. That's okay. But I do encourage you to listen to all of it because it is one of the best uh, conversations I've had uh, in the recent time. So I hope you enjoy it. If there is anything you would like to get in touch with me, we are on social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram, which is empowered underscore voices. I also recently started a TikTok. I'm still trying to figure it out, <laughs> but I'm there on TikTok uh, with empowered underscore voices as well. And if you have any suggestions on topics you would like to listen to or people you would like me to speak to, you can always write to me on my email. It's empoweredvoice at gmail.com. I will add it in the podcast notes and follow us on Spotify. So whenever I release an episode, you can get a notification. And now I'm going to stop talking and we will continue with the discussion with our guest for today. Thank you. Um, welcome on the show, Tasha. Hi, Priyam. Uh, thank you so much for having us here. And uh, I'm excited for today's it's, uh, chat. It's a pleasure. Um, Tasha, why don't you tell us more about yourself? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so my name is Natasha Devi. I am from Malaysia. I previously trained as a lawyer. And then um, in 2016, I left that and came to um pursue this activity actually i started tavana house reef which is the resort and we're based in south sulawesi and then in and uh it's basically a sustainable resort and then in 2020 we started the gaia one project which is our restoration and conservation project so, okay yeah okay amazing um so tell me more about your restoration project the gaia one restoration project Okay, so this project started out from kind of like love for the planet, basically. It um it was in 2020 and we were trying to solve the trash issue, especially with the trash that kept on coming onto our beaches. And Bira has really, really beautiful, beautiful beaches. But unfortunately, as time has gone by, we noticed like more and more trash have been washing up onto the shores. 
So what we did was we started this social endeavor where we hired a bunch of um, beach boys, local boys mm -hmm. to pick up trash and they go out five times a week, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. And then in 2021, we decided because um, I've been a scuba diver for many years, like over 20 years now. Um, wow. And so there's always like a deep love for the ocean as well and mm -hmm. decided that it would be really uh, important for us to do something uh, with regards to marine conservation. And yeah, and then the coral project started. So we also have a team. So there's my project manager, Anger, and then there's Sul. He's a beach boy, one of the beach boys that we kind of converted into a diver and he's joined the coral team. Mm -hmm. And then there's Marco who does the underwater photography. And yeah, Gaiwan Restoration Project was born and we started restoring corals since 2021. Nice. So how, how does one stop being a lawyer and start open this resort, sustainable resort in a remote island of Sulawesi, Indonesia? <laughs> <laughs> how does one? I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's for everyone. Um, but How was your journey? Time, what was yeah, it? So I was, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just asking how was your journey what made you sort of you know leave your job in the law and you know start this resort so I was already really tired of the lifestyle in in uh, KL I'm actually from Sabah from okay. uh, Kota Kinabalu which is like the north part of Borneo um, mm -hmm. on the Malaysian side okay but at the time I was working in Kuala Lumpur so it was really tiring I think I was just overworked and I didn't I was kind of losing the passion when mm -hmm. it comes to the legal side of things, working in the, that environment. Yeah. And I always thought that I would move back to my hometown and do something that's related to conservation because it's mm -hmm. a big passion of mine. Okay. So, Bira was just an opportunity, actually. We came here on a diving trip, me and mm -hmm. my family and extended family, and then fell in love with the place. So, instead of going back to Sabah to start something, we, I started it here, actually. Wow. I saved, uh, we saved money, um, us as a family for two years and then we started building and in 2020, uh, 2019 we completed all the all the rooms and okay it I think the the I don't know if there is a trick or a hack or <laughs> why I did what I did but it was really fueled by a motivation to be out of the city Mm. and be closer to nature mm. and to reconnect with nature so that was a big thing and then at the same time I always feel that uh, life is you know we always talk about like how like life is short but the truth is we're we're always um we always stop ourselves um from doing certain things because mm -hmm. maybe of fear or self-doubt or whatever limiting factors that we might have yeah. I think, and I always tell um, people around me that I don't think I did anything extraordinary. I just <laughs> wasn't afraid. I just like, let's just do it and see. Because I, cause I, I, I do believe that opportunity keeps on coming, like constantly coming for us. Hmm. Like as you're on your dharma, you're like constantly following like whatever opportunity brings you. And um at the end of the day, like if you try it for six months, you try it for one year, if it doesn't work out, there's always opportunity to go back to what you used to do or what you know. So I think, yeah. Yeah. I just I, I just didn't think about what happens if I fail. <laughs> I just do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing you said that you didn't do any extraordinary thing. You were just not afraid. And I think that's the most extraordinary thing to do, right? To start this journey. That that is 
the hindrance for a lot of people and so that is the most extraordinary thing to do so kudos to this and I do realize that you sort of launched like just before um, pandemic hit in 2019 so well actually we launched earlier we launched in 2017 but we didn't finish building um, in 2017 we slowly finished building um, you know like adding on more rooms right and then we built the villa so 2019 we completed all the rooms yeah all right all right and so you said that it was out of almost out of this need right because I know having lived in Indonesia that how much plastic can come up on the beaches during the rainy season Um, so it was out of that need that the Gaia One restoration project started right yes exactly yes so what has that journey been like um honestly the Gaiawan project was it has been very challenging mm-hmm. um somehow somehow it so when I started when I built Tavana there was a lot of challenges as well mm-hmm. but um but we could always seem to like like it was it was seem smoother okay. with Gaiawan project there was a lot more pushback from community okay. from government I think it was a bit you know they didn't really understand why we mm. were trying to do what we were trying to do. Mm. And maybe it, it even moved to a point where people were feeling like, um, I don't know, maybe being judged because we started yeah. this project and then, you know, no one else is doing anything about it. And mm. so so we faced quite a bit of challenges, even from okay. the expat community, from the local community, from the government. But to be honest, this project has been is such a big motivation for me. Yeah. And and our true intentions for it, you know, about just restoring the reef has it took it took like a whole year to kind of settle. And now we're really seeing like the results and mm. um the community is seeing the results as well. And we are inspiring other local communities to kind of get on the bandwagon. So that part has been really beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah, that's amazing. And I am so excited to learn more about corals and, you know, how does the restoration uh, work uh, with them? So why don't we sort of go in that direction now? And like, can you tell us what corals are like? We all know about them in pictures. And if we have dived, we've seen them. (laughs) But I know there's a lot more to it than just these beautiful looking things. So could you share a bit more about what corals are? Well, essentially, they're actually animals. Mm-hmm. They're like life beings. Yeah. Um, they kind of from the same or similar family as jellyfish. Okay. And um, I think one of the biggest things that people don't know about corals is that well, one thing people don't know that seventy percent, over seventy percent of our oxygen actually comes from the ocean, mm-hmm. and fifty percent of that actually comes from corals. Wow. So. Yes, they have a symbiotic uh, relationship with this algae. Mm-hmm. So basically, the coral provides the algae home, okay, uh, a home, and then the zooxanthella, um, you know, through the process of photosynthesis, that's how they release the oxygen. Okay. And yeah, about even though corals only cover less than one percent of the ocean surface, it's actually mm-hmm. home to twenty five percent of all marine life. Oh wow, which that's is a amazing. huge amount. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge amount. And I think, um, what was it? Like a billion people rely on like coastals and coral reef, you know, because they live along the shores. Mm-hmm. And as 
especially in Indonesia as well, about 70% of the population actually live around the coastal areas. So yeah. there's a huge dependency on, on coral reefs and, and their impact on, on, on humans as well. Not just as a protein source, yeah. but also, um, yeah, all kinds of livelihoods come from it, from tourism as well. Yeah. And yeah. 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 That's what I also wanted to understand more that, uh, what role do they play in our lives as human beings, you know? Like, so could you elaborate a little bit more? So there's the oxygen element and what else, like, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that's the biggest one. <laughs> <laughs> that That is true. <laughs> yeah, because if we didn't have corals, nobody's, there's not enough oxygen for us to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Is, the is, so that is the biggest one. Yeah. Um, it's also the largest carbon sinks. So they absorb about like one third of fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, carbon from fossil fuel burning um what else 75 percent of all coral species actually mm. exist in the coral triangle which is between philippines malaysia and indonesia okay so we are sitting in like a big biodiversity like an area of like filled with biodiversity yeah and, and what people don't understand about corals as well is that is the kind of base or that's the start of where life in the ocean begins mm. these are where all the juvenile fishes start their journey um, and then as they grow then you know how it's like the normal pyramid scheme where the predators um, you know like they'll eat the smaller fish and yeah. then the bigger fish gets eaten by a bigger fish and whatnot whatnot and so yeah. if we didn't have coral reef then all of this all of the ecosystem and the balance just doesn't happen yeah yeah, yeah. and when that ecosystem in the oceans get disrupted that has a huge effect on how human beings live as well right yeah exactly yeah. and i think one thing that um us as humans always tend to forget is that earth is not a land-based planet it's actually mm-hmm. a water world yeah, 70% of the planet yeah. is water so yeah. and even in our bodies as well so we all life started from the ocean yeah you know yeah first uh, organisms and whatnot so yeah. this is something i feel like we need to start talking about and mm-hmm. reminding people the reason why green carbon gets a huge um a, a bigger highlight is because well number one it's on land so it's easier to plant trees yeah um yeah. but and also we live on land so we think and you know as humans the world revolves around us <laughs> um, <laughs> but also it's easier to um it's easier to calculate the carbon offsets when okay. it comes to these. But to mm-hmm. be honest, uh, blue carbon is actually more effective. Yeah. And it is the heartbeat. Like corals are the lungs of the ocean, you know? Yeah. And yeah. they would not be able to survive. Yeah. It yeah. would be possible to survive without coral reefs. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I think one thing that I always find interesting is that, you know, when we talk about let's say not using plastic straws you know and uh, a lot of people will be just like "Ah, I don't care about the turtles and you know what I mean first you should care about the turtles but even if you don't what those people like don't realize is that that actually has a huge effect on human beings you know it's it has a huge effect on our survival as a species as well like you know because we are so interlinked with each other the whole ecosystem that it's not just about serving saving the turtles because history is proof that through mass extinctions nature comes back but yes 
the species that lived during that time might not and that's that's the danger that we have as like a species right now that nature will come back if there's an extinction but we might not <laughs> well, i well i mean you know interestingly about the turtle fact the thing what a lot of people don't realize as well that turtles has actually been around since the dinosaur age hmm. so they are very 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 old like hundreds of millions of years yeah. of evolution you know of, of and this so actually seeing a turtle um now it's actually like a modern miracle it's like a modern day miracle to see a turtle in the wild wow. and and then we don't actually make this link because it's like oh they're just going to be here or oh, we don't care about the turtles yeah but they've been here much longer than humans and so i think it really is time for us to kind of like step back yeah. and and be a little bit more humble and mm-hmm. understand that our impact does have a huge and at times catastrophic um effect mm-hmm. on the planet and it's yeah. true what you said at the end of the day nature the planet it's going to regulate itself and it, and then it and after that it's just whether or not you know we can survive that regulation yeah because the planet is not going to wait for us the planet is yeah. not going to wait for us to like change our ways and get better it will it has to do what it can to yeah. survive yeah 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 now that's amazing so talking more about coral restoration like you know how does that work like you mentioned with trees it's easier to do it's easier to count but coral restoration i imagine is not that easy so how does it actually work yeah it's a little bit more complicated because you have to be able to dive mm-hmm. um even in shallow waters you need to at least know how to free dive so being comfortable in the water is important um the techniques that you use also is really important because they have mm-hmm. to be effective in what you're trying to do as a project some projects just want to focus on fast growing corals and reef building corals so their aim is you know they will pick techniques that will support that Mm-hmm. with our project is a little bit more there's a mix to it so what we did is we actually uh, collaborated with an NGO called Ocean okay. Gardener mm-hmm. and they provide us with all the syllabus the training the technique methods mm-hmm. on how to restore the reef and then um, even our project manager she was trained directly under the founder of Ocean Gardener okay uh, and our yeah and even Marco as well as instructor also okay. trained under Vincent and um, um, for Gaiwan project itself, our main focus, well, we've got three nurseries. So mm-hmm. one sits right in front of our house reef. And then we've got a nursery in Liu Kang Island. And then we've got a nursery on Dego Dego. For the mm-hmm. one in Liu Kang Island and Dego Dego, they are community nurseries. So we okay. um, get the local community involved. We teach them the technique. And we use something, something more similar. Uh, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. not similar. Something more simple and also easy to knowledge transfer so that they can pick it up and then they can maintain it and then whereas for Tevana House Reef our main focus is actually on biodiversity Mm -hmm. so we use different techniques like the coral cookie techniques to to promote this biodiversity in the reef because we want to grow different kinds of corals um so yeah being a scuba diver being a being a free diver that's key that's one. And mm-hmm. then you have to be really comfortable and good in the water because, you know, you need to have really good buoyancy control. You have to make sure you're not kicking up like coral reef around the area where you restore. Restoration usually happens. It's a lot harder to restore reef when it's already dead. Yeah. So restoration kind of needs to start even before the reef um, starts getting affected. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. 
and um what else yeah there's a lot there's a little a little bit more science uh into it as well because yeah. you need to be ID the corals you need to mm -hmm. be able to understand how they grow their grow forms um and of course uh for us especially because there are some create artificial structures and then they put the structures in the ocean and then they leave it and then they allow coral to grow on it. But for our project, it was really important for us to have a team to constantly maintain and monitor the nursery sites. And that's how we're able to ensure that the coral grows really effectively okay. as well. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't want it to be where we just drop a branch of structures and then we leave it in the ocean and then we hope that coral grows on it. Yeah. Mm. We actually wanted to make sure that from the moment we start until they're really in a stable place that we will have a team constantly on board. So for us particularly, um, because we didn't run as an NGO, you see, we decided yeah. that for it to be more sustainable, we would be a social enterprise instead. Yeah. And now we've actually um, expanded a little bit and we also run a dive center. Okay. So all the all the money and the and the um that comes from the, our diving services goes directly to funding our restoration project basically okay so um if i like i know it's probably quite technical but can you tell us like what is the so like you know it it has to start before the coral is completely dead so what is the process do you take like you know either man made corals from the earth and like go plant it there how does that work could you tell us a little bit more about the technique? Right. Um, so usually before you even start a nursery, the you have to decide on a few things like the topography of the place, mm -hmm. the currents, the tides, the depth of the water or where your nurseries want to be. You have to make sure the tides are not too low uh, when it goes out low. So you have to make sure that the nurseries are deep enough to, to um, withstand that. Yeah. Um, and then once you've decided on the location, then you can pick your technique. So for example, if it's a sloping reef and you want to restore certain areas in that in that sloping reef, then probably you want to use like a spider technique or a kind of artificial structure. Or you might want to use a coral cookie technique where you grow them in your nurseries for six months to one year and then you directly plant them onto the reef. Mm -hmm. In terms of fragmenting, so what we do is we the initially what we did was we collected broken fragments from around the reef mm -hmm. and usually you collect from around like a five kilometer radius okay so doesn't necessarily have to be on the reef that you're working on but it could be within the course that you collect could be within the five kilometer radius that's one and then from our broken fragments they usually we pick the the ones that are still alive mm -hmm. so we create our mother colonies so mother colonies are kind of like the bigger fragments and as they continue to grow bigger later on that's where we fragment from mm -hmm. so we don't take from the reef anymore we just fragment directly from our mother colonies and then depending on the structure you use you restore the coral so if it's a spider technique you attach them with cable ties if it's a rope technique each fragment goes into in between each rope okay. and then if coral cookie method you plant them using cement onto your our cookies mm -hmm. Yeah, these so, are just like a few. So there are lots of like, what is, what is a sloping reef? Could you tell me more about that? Oh, a sloping reef is basically it's just the topography of the reef. Okay. So it slopes down. Okay. So it starts shallow and it slopes down. Yeah, because some okay. reefs are walls. So like yeah. they're 
walls yeah. and sometimes they are like flat petal or like a sandy bottom uh-huh. and some reefs are like sloping okay. reefs yeah yeah i think the ones that i have seen uh while diving in indonesia were probably using the spider technique from what you're telling me because it was these metal structures that almost looked like a basket and yes. they were sort of planted on the surface of the ocean and you could yeah. see that they were trying to uh grow more corals there yeah, yeah. yes Exactly. Yeah, it's a quite it's a quite um popular technique that's mm-hmm. being used in Indonesia actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we don't use so much of it. Okay. Uh, I mean they're they're really efficient, mm-hmm. and but the downside of using spire uh spiders um structures is that you can only grow um acropora, yeah, one type of coral basically. Okay. Yeah, okay. it doesn't allow for diversity. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like one species, yes. Okay. And if we sort of dial back a little bit, the reason we are doing coral restoration is because there's been a lot of coral bleaching that's happening and the corals are dying. And why why is that happening? Why are corals dying? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should have covered uh, that earlier, but I sort of jumped the gun and like really <laughs> wanted to know more about restoration. <laughs> Why are corals? Yeah, there's many reasons. Um, climate change is a big one. So mm-hmm. corals are quite sensitive. They're quite really sensitive beings. And so when there is a rise in temperature, mm-hmm. they are unable to withstand this rise in temperature. And so then the Zuzantella all like, come out of the coral and then yeah. they lose their source of um energy and mm-hmm. then there's coral bleaching um trash pollution is another big factor as well uh-huh. because they like the pollute the the plastic pollutants in the ocean actually carry all this bacteria and this mm-hmm. affects the coral and cause them to die so plastic pollution is one of like uh, major reasons why yeah. corals dying. the big one is the um, lack of education mm-hmm. so you know a lot of people don't know the importance of corals and so yeah. there's a lack of um, attention and care to taking care of them mm-hmm. um, and then also small things like not small actually big things but you know like the fishermen throwing their their anchors mm-hmm. and without having any moorings and it goes directly onto the reef a lot of times fishermen don't know um, you know, when they use fish bombing, it's also a big problem. So mm-hmm. this destroys the top reef of the ocean yeah. whenever they use technique method. And so it's fast results. But in the long run, because corals, like because there's no homes for for juvenile fish to live anymore. Mm. So then there's no areas for them to like continue the reproduction, right? Mm. Yeah. Because the coral reefs like, uh, like provide a lot of protection for juvenile yeah. fish. And yeah, it completely like changes the cycle. When, yeah. when your natural habitat gets destroyed. Yeah, and if if the natural habitat of juvenile fish is getting destroyed, then that means the fishes that predate on those are also getting destroyed and it's just breaking that uh, hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, all right, all right. So you said that there is this lack of awareness about why corals are so important and why they deserve the attention. Um. Is that changing? Is that changing now with like, you know, a lot of call for just like, you know, fight against climate act change and like, you know, a lot of, um, yeah. <laughs> well, how is that changing? 
well, I hope it's changing. <laughs> um, I think, well, well, especially here, we what when you know when we started at the dive center, one of the things that we always try to remind our guests is that now that you are a diver or you free dive, you mm. naturally are ambassadors for the ocean mm. because you will not be able to to do your activity without it, right? Yeah. So you kind of need to start carrying out this 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 knowledge and sharing with people as well. Yeah. So we always try to in, try to encourage our guests to uh, learn a little bit more about our nurseries, to visit our nurseries as well, because with this knowledge, then they can start sharing. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think the openness to learning about the ocean is kind of happening. I think that's mm-hmm. growing. I think there's a lot more divers, a lot more free divers, a lot yeah. more people in the ocean these days. Um. I think also that once the big corporations realize the life hack that blue carbon is more efficient than green carbon, mm-hmm. then I think there's going to be a huge shift into that as well. Right. And I think more and more, I feel like, especially with the younger generation as well, there seems to be more care about the planet. Yeah. You know, you hear about things like climate anxiety and... Um, I think Greta also, she's a huge ambassador for the young. Yeah. Comes to like the conservation and changing to becoming a more like living more sustainably. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. It's good to know that all this is trending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will take this trend, you know, if it's cool to be environmentally conscious, then even better. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I yeah, I, I remember when I died for the first time and how heartbreaking it was to see the completely bleached corals and no no life around them, you know. It, yeah. it, it, it might seem like I'm exaggerating, but it really did feel like I was diving in a graveyard. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it had yeah. that eerie feeling to it because all you could see were bleached corals and it was actually really depressing to see that. Yeah. 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 Um, I think um, like, you know, a lot is happening. People are getting more aware. There are like, you know, organizations like you that are taking more initiatives, more efforts. What do you think about the prognosis? How are the results looking for you right now with all the you know new regulations that are coming up and people trying to do more things? What do you think is the prognosis for next five, 10 years? Where are we in meeting our lofty goals that we all have of net zero? And <laughs> I I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> I honestly don't know what is the prognosis. Um, I think it's good to know that um it's changing mm-hmm. um but we haven't solved the biggest issue which is the trash pollution mm-hmm. i think globally it's become a huge issue yeah and i think until large corporations start taking more responsibility with regards to this we as humans start taking more responsibility i think it's going to be i mean it already is an uphill challenge you yeah. know yeah. um I do believe the planet itself will find a way to regulate. But I'm not saying that, you know, oh, because it's going to regulate, we should just forget about it. No, it, the thing is, it's like, how much of this change do we want to be part of, right? Mm-hmm. And if you are living on this planet and if you have a connection to the planet, 
which we all should have, then it should just be natural that we want to take care of it, right? Like how you want to take care of your home. You want to yeah. make sure it's clean. You want to, you know, you want to be peaceful. You want a nice bed. It's the same thing. Yeah. So I think um, the mo- the thing that needs to change is, yeah, is uh, us trying to solve this trash pollution, but also our mindset. Mm. So if that changes, because we can have regulations in the world, but if our own personal mindset doesn't change, then the prognosis is never going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I've, uh, that's how I feel. So I think all change needs to start from us first. Yeah, and we kind of need to stop waiting for governments to do their part and stop waiting for treaties to be signed because it's very easy to go out and make conscious choices. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. I know people, people, and you know, sometimes people think like, oh, um. You know, it's not going to change anything if today I I don't use a plastic bag, you know. But if today, 8 billion people stop using plastic bag, just today. It's like you save 8 billion pieces of plastic, you know. Yeah. So it, yeah. it is a huge, it is a huge impact. Yeah. And we need to start looking at like all the, the big, big things that we can do and just start from like small, start from within. Yeah. And, and I also believe that... um. We need to spend more time in nature. Mm-hmm. So the more connected we are to the planet, the more naturally willing we are to preserve it and yeah. conserve it. Yeah. So, yeah. When this starts changing, then the prognosis, it doesn't really matter then at the end of the day what happens, you know? Because yeah. we're already like loving the planet. We're already like enjoying our, everything that nature has to offer us. And there is enough resources for everybody and mm-hmm. all being all beings that live in this planet, there is enough resources. We just yeah. need to kind of change that mentality, remove the greed from ourselves, um, really humble ourselves as well. You know, bring down mm-hmm. that ego and remind remind ourselves that we are we are not working above everything else. We need to be working, you know, with every other being that that exists here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I think we need to realize the interconnectedness that is there between us and every other species and every other element that is there in nature, whether it's ocean, whether it's trees, whether it's land animals or sea animals and us, you know, we need to see that connection and we need to accept that we are all part of an ecosystem and everything we do affects them which in return affects us. So it's yeah. it's all interconnected. Yeah. Sasha, you mentioned about like, you know, having this change in mindset and, you know, consuming differently and realizing that when we go out to buy something, we can make a more conscious decision and, you know, uh, buy products that are better for the planet. And I think that's interesting also like for me, because uh, you do have a resort, which is a sustainable resort. And yes, buying is one thing, but we all like, you know, also travel and, you know, that also creates a lot of carbon emissions. So can you tell me a little bit more about the resort, sustainable uh, resort and sustainable tourism? How is that work? Um, So with Tevana, what we did here was that we tried to implement a few different things Mm -hmm. so that we could assist with the you know being sustainable mm-hmm. one thing is that all our units and buildings collect rainwater mm-hmm. 
Okay. Because in Dubai, you actually, we actually have like a long drought. Mm-hmm. And so with this rainwater, we actually, um, we use, we use, uh, yeah, we, we have like tanks underneath each unit and this collects the rainwater and we use it for our gardens um, to water the gardens and also for when you flush the toilets. Okay. We also run a wastewater garden system. That means like every uh, every building has a it has its own personal sewage tank, mm-hmm. and it we created like um so basically this uh the waste goes into the tank and then we use this bacteria called EM4 mm-hmm. to clean it and then it goes out into the gardens directly as like okay. natural fertilizer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We also okay. do composting here with our restaurant. We are a um, ninety-five percent of the menu is a vegetarian menu mm-hmm. slash menu. Okay. Um, what else? And then, of course, um, like we don't use a uh, air conditioning as well in our mm-hmm. units, and okay. we have a conservation project now as well. So yeah. Okay. I think my friend described it correctly. Uh, she said that you know it's all about intentional design. Uh huh. So comes to sustainable tourism or running a sustainable resort it's all about like at the end of you know what is the true intention of the place right mm-hmm. and, and if you are able to look at an ecosystem that is holistic yeah instead of just focus on like the capitalistic side of things or making money because we can easily charge double the price of whatever we're charging now if we had AC rooms you know yeah and um, we can we could have built things cheap more cheaper if we didn't have these extra rainwater tanks or yeah. um, wastewater garden tanks mm-hmm. but at the end of the day the whole purpose or the intention of why we built this place is so that people mm-hmm. can come and reconnect with nature yeah and so it's really important for us to kind of like you know whatever you build you're also like walking the talk mm-hmm. uh yeah is that the right phrase you know, yeah. so so you so basically you, <laughs> yeah, you are, you are living the life that you hope that people yeah. can yeah. as well. Yeah. And we yeah. know, I I understand it's a lot dif- more difficult if you're from the city and, you know, you don't have access to nature or whatever. But that's why we created places like Tivana, mm. um, inspire people. So when they come here, it's just kind of you know you're back in nature and yeah. to learn to appreciate it as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sorry, you were saying something? No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I I also remember you mentioning that, uh, like, you know, you have the diving center as part of it, uh, the resort now. And uh, can people who come to stay in your resort also take part in coral restoration activities or learn more about coral restoration? Yes. Um, so we also run our coral introduction ID course. Mm-hmm. It's a, just a half a day course, um, like a, a little workshop. Yeah. And then you visit our nurseries right after. Mm-hmm. If you're interested to learn even more, we have like a, a level one, level two coral ID. And then we also run, so this year we're hoping to launch our coral restoration course, which okay. is a month long commitment. And basically you learn about how you learn about how to ID corals and okay. then how to start a nursery and then how to monitor and maintain your nursery as well. Mm-hmm. And basically it, at the end of the month, you would have a solid foundation when, with regards to coral restoration. 
That's amazing. I I wish one day when I'm back in Indonesia, I can come visit you there. It it really yes. sounds great. <laughs> I'd love to have you for sure. And um, Bira is really is a very beautiful place to come diving as yeah. well. Yeah. And, um. And what we try to do is we we hope that for all our guests that come through and dive with us, that they kind of retain a little bit of this knowledge. Mm-hmm. So you didn't just come and have a, you know, you didn't just come and do fun diving, but you also yeah. came and, you know, with like a kind of like diving with an intention as well. Yeah, or, yeah. Just generally traveling with that intention, right? And, and yeah. it's... Uh, it's quite interesting because I was listening to this other podcast where they were talking about um, how having these conversations, even if you're not telling someone to, hey, you should do this, but just sharing the your experience. Let's say if someone decides that they're not going to fly and instead take trains, just having those yeah. dinner table conferences also is shown to have an impact on how other people start changing their behavior. And, you know, yes. in this era of Instagram and people when they come travel they're posting these pictures and I'm sure that makes other people think that hey why are you sort of you know living in this resort with no AC and why why are they storing this rainwater <laughs> or why did you go um, you know like you know diving in this little like coral nursery so I'm sure that starts yeah. a conversation and that has a huge potential to have a ripple effect so it's quite amazing yeah I think um sort of heading towards the end of the conversation I would love to just chat with you and talk more about corals (laughs) and like sustainable tourism but we do have have yeah you have to come and visit then (laughs) yeah I mean when you showed me the video it just made my heart feel homesick for Indonesia yeah (laughs) I miss I miss that blue ocean and and the (laughs) sky oh my god yeah but yeah hopefully next year (laughs) hopefully next year and uh yeah but I guess I guess what I always ask people is that what keeps you going you know what keeps you going what motivates you to fight this uphill battle um well the planet i am <laughs> extremely grateful yeah. to be alive and be surrounded by natural beauty and mm-hmm. i think that that is you know a huge motivation for me yeah it's just i, I can't explain it every time i have a bad day mm-hmm. um i i go it i go down and i watch the sunset and no matter what it's a beautiful <laughs> one you know? yeah. And so this is a big reminder that the universe has my back, that the planet has my back. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, all this while, the only reason I'm alive is because mm-hmm. there is air to breathe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's not coming from us humans. We are not producing this. <laughs> you know? This is yeah. the planet giving to us. Yeah. And so I think it's just very natural for us to want to give back. It's very natural for me mm-hmm. to want um, give back to the planet and that motivates me and yeah definitely no I think that that connection to nature is definitely something yes. that can really have an impact on your mental health and then mm-hmm. also I guess it 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 makes you want to protect it right yeah so, and, yeah. I, and I feel I do I do truly feel that 
one of the ways for you to connect with yourself and really find out about yourself is to spend time in nature. Yeah. At the moment you start connecting with nature and reconnecting with nature, this is when you're able to kind of dive deeper within also and realize that, um, like you mentioned earlier, this interconnectivity, you know, we are all one. We're yeah. all part of this living yeah. organism. Um, yeah. I, so, yeah. I remember reading this book. It's called Geography of Bliss. And in that book, um, so the psychologist basically uh, took that year's UN list of, you know, happiest countries and the most like the unhappiest countries. And he visited seven of them to try to figure out that what made them the happiest or, or not happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that year when he traveled, Switzerland was uh, in the top and he traveled mm-hmm. there and he stayed there for six months. And he tried to figure out a lot of different things that why are Swiss so happy? Is it because of their chocolates? Is it because they get to vote for everything, every decision? And ultimately, mm-hmm. his conclusion was it's their connection to nature. And ultimately, yeah. that's what he talked about, that no matter what they do, they always take out time to sort of, you know, even if it's just going to a park, a lake, and just stay connected mm-hmm. to nature and yeah, his hypothesis for Switzerland as to why it was the happiest country and it always stays on the top was because yeah. he felt that Swiss are deeply connected to nature. Yeah, that makes sense. That completely makes sense. I think yeah. the more connected we are to nature, the less wants as well, the, nest, mm-hmm. the less needs. Yeah. And we are more content. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. And... So if you were, you know, restarting in your position as the founder of the resort of Gairwan <laughs> Restoration, what is one advice you would give yourself now that you have all these experience and, you know, like if you get to go <laughs> back to day one, what's one advice? Um, to pick your partners and collaborators mm-hmm. carefully. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think... Um, you know, it's difficult to do it by yourself. That's yeah. one. Yeah. But if you are, but sometimes it's easier because, you know, you have a lot of direction. But I think if you want to get the community involved, um, local community, traveling community, what, whatever it is, and if you want to get more support, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to pick the right partners, the right mm-hmm. people to collaborate with, the ones who are kind of really aligned with your vision and mission. And, and this will be this will kind of like elevate your, the experience and yeah. the project as well. And I think that if you kind of do it because it, it was convenient or you picked a partner because it's easy mm-hmm. and they didn't really have the same vision and that's where that's where it will get tricky yeah. and you will face like a lot of obstacles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be my advice to myself. And I had to learn it the hard way as well. But I think mm-hmm. as a project, we are stronger and better for it and now we've learned a lot of lessons through this yeah yeah yeah, that's what I would tell myself that's amazing advice for anyone um, starting out on their entrepreneurial journey no matter what the project is yeah for sure and what's one tip you would give to anyone who wants to live a more sustainable life Uh, spend more time in nature (laughs) I think I think, yeah, it's the easiest thing. The moment you feel the connection, you will naturally want to, you know, eat more consciously, Mm -hmm. live more consciously, 
um, choose more sustainable options. And it's it's like a, a huge like rippling effect. Yeah. 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 And it's very simple, you know, spending time in nature really it doesn't cost you anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even if you live in the city, you can find a place. Yeah. In a park or grow some plants or, you know, sit. Yeah. Sit with, um, sit by, I don't know, by a lake. It, yeah. For sure. For sure you yeah. can find it. And how can people find you? How can people visit you? How can people join you in your restoration project? Um, so, well, you can check out our website. We are tevanahousereef.com. Okay. And Tevana is spelled T-E-V-A-N-A and then mm-hmm. house, like a mm-hmm. H-O-U-S-E and reef, uh-huh. R-E-E-F. We're also on Instagram. So mm-hmm. there's Tevana House Reef, there's Gaia One Project, there's also Gaia One Boutique Diving. You can find us all on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, Don't call me because I won't remember. <laughs> so instagram and website <laughs> instagram website yeah this is where you can find us uh, yeah. yeah i think those are the standards yes we yeah. have a twitter also and um yeah we're based in south sulawesi in uh-huh. a place called Tanjung bira the nearest airport is makasa and okay. um but yeah there's a lot of more exciting things for gaia one actually we're hoping to expand and expand to Borneo as well so who knows you know um, maybe we speak again in a year's time and there'll be like a lot more uh, a lot more cool things that we're we're, going to share with everybody that would be amazing and I mean I really look forward to that conversation I I will uh, link all the links of your website of Instagram in the show notes for anyone who wants to find you anyone who's traveling to Indonesia or is traveling within Indonesia, I will highly recommend uh, going and visiting Tasha's resort. I just saw the video of her and it was amazing. <laughs> it was beautiful. So I really recommend that to people to visit. And yes. all the best, Tasha, for your future. You so I do Thank hope to so sort much, of friend. reconnect with you in a few months and, you know, get yes. more updates as to what's happening. Definitely. I, yeah, Definitely. I think what you're doing is amazing. And so all the best. <laughs>